Right. Well, hey, thanks for being here. I know it's busy. I know that uh, the end of the semester is crazy. And uh, just glad you're here. Um, maybe take a little break from your studies and see some people. Um, if you're new tonight, there could be new people. Actually, there are new people here. Really glad you're here. And, uh, you know, RUF is a, is a Christian fellowship group on campus. Um, and we exist here uh, to serve people. Whether or not you've been a Christian for a long time, whether or not you're checking things out, whether or not you're skeptical, whether or not you're burned out, bored, or doubting, we're just glad you're here to process uh, the good news of the gospel uh, with us. And we hope this is a place where you can bring a friend, a classmate, or somebody maybe that's trying to process uh, the good news of the gospel, because um, that's what we're about. So we've been talking about the prophets, and uh, we've done Elijah, we've done Elisha, we did Isaiah, and now we are at Jeremiah. And uh, so tonight we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 1, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And uh, just a little intro to old Jeremiah. This book is huge, just like Isaiah. Uh, it's a very large book. And it's, he, Jeremiah was a major prophet. And the major prophets are called major because of the amount of chapters and words they wrote. Not because they were like these major dudes, but to some extent they were. Um, but anyway, this is during a time when, if you know anything about Israel or, or the history of the Old Testament, um, God calls Abraham, calls Israel to be a people for Himself. Um, they uh, grow as a nation. They are then put down into Egypt because of the famine and Joseph was there. And so for about 430 years, I believe, they were in Egypt. And then you have Moses being raised up and uh, God doing all kinds of miracles and bringing His people out into the wilderness, ultimately into the Promised Land. Um, then you have the kingdom starts with uh, King, Sol- King Saul, King David, King Solomon, and then a bunch of other kings. During that time, there's civil war and the Israel splits. And there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, actually. Uh, and now we're at the part of history where we're around 580 to 600 B.C. before the time of Christ. And things are not going well. Uh, Israel's basically forgotten about the Lord God who brought them out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. And they've served the Baal gods. And so, again, God in His grace sends His Word. He sends the prophets to them. And and Jeremiah was one of those prophets. And Jeremiah had a, a hard life. He was actually known as the weeping prophet. And uh, because he cried so much for his people. And because he was tormented and tortured so much for standing for the truth. In fact, here's a little bit of his life. Um, he was uh, he was a priest. He was also a prophet. Uh, Pasher, another priest, beat him uh, in the house of the Lord. Put him in stocks. Um, you know, those things you see in the old days, you know. Um, uh, he was arrested under Zedekiah the king. He was put in prison. He was banned from going to the house of the Lord. Beaten, imprisoned, time and time again. He was called a traitor. At one point, he was thrown into a well, a cistern, and he sank down in the mud. It was like quicksand in there. Somehow he survived it. Um, but he continues to be faithful to God. He continues to be faithful as a prophet. Even though the whole culture and the whole country was going down, he was faithful to God's Word. Um, here's one of the verses that talks about how he was a weeping prophet. He says, For the wound 
He, he was just suffering so much for his people that he left God. He said, for the wound of the daughter of my people is my, my heart is wounded. I mourn. Um, dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. He is overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed with God's heart. And as he looks at his people, he sees um, them going far away from the Lord and um, into much sin and into much misery because of that sin. And so we're looking at Jeremiah 1, and this is the initial calling of God. Just like we looked at Jer- Isaiah 6, God's called Isaiah. I always feel like looking at the call of the prophet is an important part. Um, and so it kind of frames the rest of the book. So hear God's word, Jeremiah 1. Um, there's going to be a lot of weird names. Hang in there. Okay. Uh, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were at Anatoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It also it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, this is Jeremiah, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord put out His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord. And they shall come, and every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls, all around and against all the cities of Judah, and I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work, arise, and say to them everything I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land and against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. This ends reading of God's holy word. There's a lot in there. Um, But I just want to talk about this idea of Jeremiah's personal calling 
and our personal calling. A lot of times we can separate ourselves and we think, ah, oh, you know what? This is God's personal call to Jeremiah, which it was. But guess what? It's also God's personal calling to us. Because it's very clear that Jeremiah had a mission from God. And if you call yourself a Christian or if you say, I am with the Lord and I want to follow Him, well, God calls us to a similar mission. He calls us to take His Word out to people. To take the good news of the Gospel out to people. And to declare the good news. And basically, that's what Jeremiah was called to do. Except it was really, really, really hard. And guess what? It's really, really hard for us too. The culture, the people, our own hearts of unbelief, our own sin, other people's sin. Um, it's hard to talk to people about Jesus. I mean, that's, that's just how it is. Um, it kind of goes against the grain, doesn't it? People think you're fanatical. People think you're a little crazy. Like, why are you talking about Jesus all the time? You know, why are you reading your Bible? Why, like, this is like an old ancient religion. Of course, it's not, um, better than any other religion. And so, what's, what's going on? And, uh, it, it can be very hard. And we can say, just like, <laughs> just like Jeremiah, I'm only a youth. Like, I can't speak. But God continues to call us. And so we're gonna look at this idea. Um, really that, you know, just like Jeremiah, we're called to go as well and to take the word to others. And so, um, how, or what, what, what's hopeful in this passage is we can be confident in that. We can be confident in taking the word out to others because of, because of number one, because God, the God of the universe speaks truth. Okay? The first, the first reason why we can be confident in taking this gospel message out to people is because the God who created everything and everybody has spoken and given us a word of truth. This is really amazing. The God, the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, the God who's created everything is not silent. In fact, uh, there was a guy by the name of Francis Schaeffer. He wrote books. He's dead now. But he was a missionary. He was like an apologist. He was a kind of a philosopher, theologian, missionary. And uh, he wore knickers and had a goatee and lived over in Switzerland in the mountains. And he wrote a lot of books. And one of the books he wrote is called uh, He Is There and He's Not Silent. And he answered the questions of a lot of hippies of the 60s and 70s, basically. A lot of existentialists. And uh, his whole thing was like, this is radical, that the God of the Bible speaks. Um, that He is not silent. And, you know, this is important for us to understand. We don't live in a closed universe. I've talked about that. You know, in philosophy, they have that idea of like a closed universe. We have to experience everything, figure out everything. Christianity... The Bible is saying that God breaks into that and He speaks to us. And the supernatural appears. And He speaks through prophets. And He, and he does actions in history. And he, and he brings His Word to bear on people. And He does miracles. And ultimately, He shows up in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the final word that, he, that Hebrews says, the final revelation of God. And He shows us who God is. He shows us His love. He shows us how He cares for people. He's radically different. 
He does miracles, just like only God could do. He walks on water. He tells the guys to throw in their nets and huge amounts of fish come out. He, he heals the blind. He heals the lame. He gives good news to the poor. He does all these amazing things. Why? Because he's saying, I exist. And I've broken into your world. And I love you. And I'm getting ready to die on the cross for you and rise again from the dead. It's, all, it's a lot of supernatural. It takes faith. But people saw it. And people believed. Because God spoke. And so, God is coming to Jeremiah again. And He's saying, here's what He says in verse 1 to 3. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah. One of the priests who were in Anatoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, until the captivity of Jerusalem. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the word of God continues to come to his prophet Jeremiah. So just like the word of God came to Moses and Abraham and Adam and Eve in the garden, God's word continues to come and it comes to Jeremiah in hard, difficult, dark times when everybody else didn't believe. And yet, God's Word comes to him and speaks to him and gives him a mission. Forty years of God's revelation, Jeremiah experienced. And so he's a prophet. He's experiencing all this. And it was, and there was evil times. I mean, people uh, were so evil during this time, they were taking their sons and daughters and they were sacrificing them to Baal. They were burning their sons and daughters to Baal and Asherah, the two gods that they were following. Um, they were uh, creating all kinds of idols. And in the midst of that, God's personal word comes to His prophet to give him encouragement. In verse 4, Now the word of the Lord came to me. And so all through the book of Jeremiah, you know, this, is, this chapter 1 is kind of a summary, but all through the book, all these crazy stories happen. And yet, God's word comes to him again and again and again to comfort him, give him hope and give him truth because he really, really needed it. And, uh, you know, the beauty, the beauty of Jeremiah's message is that he was telling it like it is. There used to be this, used to be this uh, sportscaster called Howard Cosell back in the 70s. You guys ever heard of him? Howard Cosell. Telling it like it is. Okay, he was like this New York lawyer became a sportscaster. And he used to always talk about telling it like it is. Well, guess what? The, one, the beauty of God's Word is He tells it like it is. It's true. Okay, he talks about sin. He talks about our brokenness. Talks, it fits with reality. This guy Francis Schaeffer said this, the reason why we can trust the Bible and trust God's Word is because when we look at it, it fits with the reality of life. It's kind of like a key that unlocks the reality of life. And what do you, what, in any worldview, in any philosophical worldview, the, why is it true? Well, does it fit with reality? Does it fit with how things are in life? Okay, does it, does it answer the big questions? Does it talk about meaning and purpose? Where we came from? Where we're going? What about death? What about the fall? What about all this brokenness? What about sin? Like the Bible has... it like what we would call a comprehensive worldview. And so this is one of the reasons why I believe it, because it fits with reality. It fits, it answers my questions. And for Jeremiah, he was trying to give the answers to, to Judah's questions. And he was telling them, guess what? The reason why things are so bad 
And the reason why judgment is coming is because you've left the Lord. And you're suffering the covenant curse that God talked about. And so, as you go through this book, I know this is a lot of stuff here, but Jeremiah would say things like in chapter 7, he, he gave them a, a reality check picture. He said this, he said, here's what the Lord was calling them to, Obey my voice and I will be your God. And you shall be my people and walk in the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. But they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own stubbornness of their evil hearts and went backwards and not forward. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I've persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, this is what God is telling them, to them day after day, sending all these prophets. Yet they did not listen to them, to me, or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers, so you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. And you shall say to them, This is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, did not accept discipline. Truth is perished, it is cut off from their lips. And so, all through Jeremiah, it's, it's a pretty sad message. It's a reality check for Israel. He's saying, This is what's true. God has created you. Come back to Him. I will be your God. You shall be my people. Um, but yet, they didn't, and they hated the word. And uh, they hated the word so much that there's this one point in the book in chapter 36, where 35, where Jeremiah is hiding from the king, but he sends his servant, Baruch was the guy's name, with the word of the Lord. And Baruch reads the word of the Lord before the king and one of the priests. And as the king is, as the guy's reading the words of the letter that Baruch gave him, he's like cutting it up and throwing it in the fire. You know, so it'd be like, oh, thanks for the Bible. You know, ripping pages out of it, throwing it away. And it, it was indicating again just how, how the king of Israel, who was blessed by God, had turned against God and didn't want to hear it. And so, do you want truth? Well, this is the place we come for truth. It's the place we come for a reality check because God has made us. And I've talked about this before. It's like the, it's like the owner's manual in your glove compartment in your car. You know, when something goes wrong, where should you go? Over there. What have, you know, how do I fix my light bulb? Like, what's this mean when this yellow light comes on with the oil, oil check light? Well, it would be good to consult the owner's manual. And likewise, you know, God is the one who created us. He's the one who loves us. He's the one who has given us His Word so that we would be blessed and that we would live according to it and, and experience the blessings of that. Um, one of the movies that I enjoy is The Truman Show. And, uh, you know, I like it because it has kind of a lot of analogies to life and and also I believe like there's a, there's kind of a a Christian message in it except and I'm going to tell you what that is but uh, if you remember who's seen the Truman Show you know Jim Carrey he's Truman okay Truman a true man what's a true man okay and so he's there on this island and he thinks that's basically his whole world and he doesn't know it but there's like millions of cameras. And, and everybody in his life is an actor. Okay? Everybody in his life, from the time he grows up to when he's a young adult, when the movie takes place. 
His best friend's an actor. His wife's an actor. Teachers, everybody. The bus driver's an actor. And as the movie goes on, he begins to say, you know, something's not quite right here. Like, why are all these people, like, watching me? He notices once there's, like, an interference with, like, the bus and everything stops. And he starts getting this idea that everybody's watching him once he's in a grocery store. And he sees behind it, and it looked like a weird, like, a movie set or something back there. And so he's finding out something's desperately wrong. And so there's this girl who he met I think in high school he had a crush on he and uh and so he he she was taken out of the show because she tried to tell him the truth but the owners and the producer said no you're out of here and so they they put her off and so a lot of the show is like him wanting to leave he wanted to be an explorer as a kid and there's a funny scene in the class where the teacher says no every place has been discovered you don't have to be just you just stay here okay <laughs> it's like <laughs> on this 3 mile island okay this bubble and so, um, ultimately, he, he, he figures out he's just got to escape. There's something desperately wrong with his world. And so he fakes, like, his sleeping, and um, next thing you know, he, he leaves, and he's, uh, he gets on this sailboat, and he starts sailing out to, to escape. You know, he wants to find this girl. And Kristoff uh, is the name of the producer and director of the of this Truman show Christoph okay and I think you know what Hollywood or what you know what the writer is saying is like Christ like is trying to close you in like if you're a Christian like your life is closed in you need to break out okay and I would say I'll I'll talk about that in a second but so anyway as the movie goes on he's trying he's sailing he tries to kill him with uh, like a hurricane, they have these wind wind machines, and uh, he survives it, you know. And he's like just about half dead, and and uh, all of a sudden, like his boat crashes into the movie set, and uh, he gets out, you know, starts running up the steps. The girl's coming down, and they have this conversation, you know, like, don't you want, you know, there's nothing out there that's not in here. You know, and, uh, you know, I love you. Christoph is like talking to him. And, uh, and then he just like says, well, good afternoon, good night, and goodbye. And then he takes off and he goes out and meets the girl. And, uh, what I like about that show is, um, no one told him the truth. He had to discover the truth for himself. And, uh, I mean, that's true that we do need to do that. But, the Christian story is that God breaks in and does tell us the truth. And it's not, it's not this movie director that's trying to keep us like down. That if you truly are a Christian, that's like true freedom. You know, what the, what the Christian story says is it's bondage to be in, in sin. And actually freedom is to say, be able to say no to our sin nature and say yes to Jesus. Uh, that true freedom is living according to what God has given us here, and if we go outside of that, we find all kinds of problems, all kinds of bondage, all kinds of addictions, all kinds of difficulties. And that God's made us for Himself, He loves us, and we're most, we're most blessed and we're most free when we're living according to His Word. But again, He comes in to our Truman Show, and He shows us what it truly means to live. He shows us what it truly means to love. He shows us what truth is. 
And He's the one that rescues us and doesn't try to kill us, okay? Um, the second thing is this. I know that was a long point. Because the Word of God is effective, we can trust it. It's effective. It actually, it actually works. And as you look through uh, this passage in Jeremiah, He has all kinds of fear. You know, the Lord, the Word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And then Jeremiah kicks back and says, not me. Then I said, ah, Lord God, hold on a second. (laughs) A prophet to the nations? Behold, I do not know how to speak. He was already a prophet and he was already a priest at this time. For I am only a youth, he says. Then God responds to the fear and excuses. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. Whoever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out His hand and touched my mouth. Kind of similar to Isaiah. Touching His mouth with the coal from the altar. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. What is God telling him? Well, God's giving him answers to his fears. He's giving him this word that's also a promise. The word of God is effective. Um, The word of God is powerful. And God is telling him, Jeremiah, it's not about you. It's not about you're a really good speaker or you're good at speech club or you know you can wield an argument well. But guess what? You're just going to carry my word and you're just going to tell it to people. And guess what? I'm going to have an effect on it because it's my word. It's not you. It's not about you. It's about me. It takes the burden off us, off of us. And it says, I just need to present this story, this good news to people. That we're made for God. <laughs> and that God has done something in Jesus Christ to bring us back to God and to restore us. My word is powerful. Um, in Matthew 5, Jesus said, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law or from the word of God until all is accomplished. You constantly have this, this idea that Jesus says, you know, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. That this law will not pass away until heaven and earth pass away. It's stronger than the very universe. Uh, in, in Psalm, it says that the Word of God, God spoke and the, and the whole universe was created. There's something about God's will and His Word that is more powerful than anything you and I can imagine. In Isaiah 55, it says, For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, do not return there, but are watered, making it both spring forth and, and, and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent. I mean, what God is saying is, let me see, it's not about, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about Him. And it's about His words and guess what? His words are powerful. You know, this book is powerful. It's living and active, Hebrew says, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to cut and divide our motives, divide our heart. It's a two-edged sword. It's got 
On one side, it's got judgment. On the other side, it's got blessing. It's, it's powerful. It's powerful. One side, it's judgment. God warns us. like He warns Israel. And on the other side, He says, I am your God. I love you. Come to Me. Repent. You know, stop your idol worship and come and enjoy my fellowship. I love you. And we have that same word available to us. And not only that, but God comes in His word. He's present in His word. There's something powerful about God's word and His presence. And in fact, the Holy Spirit works with the word to convict us and to give us hope and to change our hearts. And so, there's something mysterious when you read the Word. The Holy Spirit works with the Word and it illuminates and it makes you understand your life. It makes you understand your sin patterns. It gives you promises. It helps you understand what you might do with your life. It helps you understand what you shouldn't do with your life. It helps you understand... All kinds of things mysteriously by God's Holy Spirit through His Word. If you throw this Word away, that's His major means of grace to help you. If you don't read it, you're not going to grow well. I mean, you can pick up things here and there, and but God really wants you in here because He knows what's best for you. And His presence is there with us too. And... Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit works with the Word to change us and to help us and to and to bring people to Himself. Um, you know, I was thinking about as a little kid, I would have nightmares sometimes, and uh, you know, I, I can I can still remember some of my nightmares. A witch was coming after me. Anybody have witch nightmares or like wild dogs running after me? Um, you can psychoanalyze me all you want. Uh, there was. There, you know, and guess where I would be? I'd be like in my parents' bed, you know, like ah, something's going on. Um, anybody, anybody relate? You know, five years old, you're like running in there, um, you know, because your dad is bigger than the monsters, you know, that are, that are out there uh, in the dark, or the wild dogs, or the or the witches. And uh, to some extent, you know, the there's power in God's presence through His Word. It's a stupid illustration, I know. But the fact is, is that God's presence comes with His Word. And that's why, um, that's why it's fun to preach and to, and talk to people about Jesus and, and to emphasize His Word. Because you never know what's going to happen. You know, you never know what's going to happen. That's why we're trying to do small group Bible studies on this campus in dorms. And to get people, and to try to get new people into those things. Because... Uh, when you put people in front of the Word of God, God does things. Um, you know, when I was in Oklahoma as a youth minister, and we had a we had a guys Bible study on I think it was on Thursday nights, and it probably started with like four or five guys. Well, the thing grew, and there might be like twenty five high school students that would come to this, and it would always be at this kid's house, Joseph McIntyre. His mother would make these huge chocolate chip cookies. Now I don't know; it could have been the chocolate chip cookies that brought people. But these guys developed like really strong relationships, friendships. They all went to Edmond Memorial High School. This is in Edmond, Oklahoma. And uh, but a lot of those guys, like the Word of God, began to really seep into their life and change them. 
And I think some guys probably became Christians through that. And I mean, God's the one that saves. But he was doing some things. One guy's in China now. He's a teacher missionary in China. And he's like been over there for about five years. Uh, there's another guy who, um, you know, had a rough college life, but then God got a hold of him. And now he's married. He lives in New York City. He goes to Redeemer Church, real involved. And he's been to China on a mission trip, too. Um, but, I mean, there's like story after story of these guys who they got to know Jesus. And they were in this Bible study, and God began to work and do things to them and to grow them in different ways. And that's what God does to us. And so, um, you know, this is why God wants us in the Word and He wants to spread that Word because it's going to change people. It's powerful. So be praying. Be praying about small group Bible studies. Be praying about sharing the Gospel and having the opportunity to share the Gospel with people. And, uh, uh, you know, I was at this conference this week and... Um, you know, it's hard to engage with people. A lot of people aren't interested in, in talking about the Bible. That's fine. Talk about what they're interested in. Just get talking with people. Love people where they are. And I bet you over time, you'll get into deeper things. Purpose, meaning. You know, what, what's important to you? Have you ever thought about God? Do you ever go to church? Is that important to you? I mean, that doesn't have to be the first thing. That can be like three months down the line. But like... Jerem Bars, I went to this conference, he talked and somebody asked the question, like, how do you engage with people that aren't interested in talking about religion? Don't talk about religion. Talk about what they're interested in. Be friends with them, love them. And sooner or later, guess what? You're going to get around to these bigger questions, these bigger issues. And the Word of God is going to be there with you to help you, and His Spirit's going to be there with you to help you as well. Um, Last thing, we should have confidence because guess what? God wins. That's the big story. God wins. At the end of this passage, God has given him a hard task. And he says, Jeremiah 18, 19, And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Alright, he's got this hard task. Everybody in the whole country is like against him. And God is saying, I'm going to give you, going to make you like a fortified city, a bronze wall. No one's going to be able to defeat you, Jeremiah. They're going to try. But guess what? I'm with you. My presence is with you. And ultimately, you're going to win. He's beaten. He's arrested. He's put in stocks. He's, uh, I mean, but yet he's faithful. And Everything he said came true. Because Judah didn't repent, God took them out. Babylon came, took them out into um, Babylon in exile. Jeremiah still continued to preach. He writes letters to the exiles. We're going to talk about one of those letters next week. And he proclaims the new covenant, uh, that God is going to give them a new heart, that God is going to bring them back, that God knows the plans for them. And he does all of that, that God doesn't forget his people. Even though they've gone against Him, He brings them back. Why? Because of His love for His people. Because of David. The promise to David. And, and what does God do? Later on, God brings uh, Judah back to Jerusalem. And they rebuild. And uh, they flourish again. 
And uh, the covenant continues and ultimately Jesus comes on the scene because God won't forgive His people and God loves His people and God loves His prophet and God loves His Word and He's, and he's not going to let that go. And so ultimately down the line, because God loved His people and His promise, we have Jesus. And really, Jeremiah, like all the prophets, <laughs> you know, are pointing ahead to the ultimate prophet, the Lord Jesus. Because just like Jeremiah, the Lord Jesus was the one beaten, arrested, despised, you know, put in the stocks, put on the cross ultimately, and he gave his whole life for you and me. Now, Jeremiah wasn't killed, but the Lord Jesus was killed as the ultimate prophet to restore us and to give us hope. And ultimately, he died and he rose again and he's coming back. Everything that the prophet said pointing ahead to Jesus is true. Everything that Jesus said came true. And we were, we're just waiting for that last prophetic uh, actions to come true. You know what that is. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else has come true. We're waiting for the last bits of prophecy to come true. Now, when, when is that going to happen? I don't know. There was a guy last year that said May 20th. That didn't happen. Okay? But... That's the you know we're we're in the last days, folks. That's what this is called. It might be two thousand more years. I don't know how long it's going to be, but the point is, is that we're these prophecies have all come true, and there's one big last prophecy that's to come, and that's Jesus coming back down to reign victoriously and to judge the nations, and to bring all His people with Him, and to create a new heaven and new earth. Without sin, without death, without cancer, it's going to be glorious. And so, we should have confidence because this Word has been true, this Word is true, and this Word is going to be true in the future. Let me pray. Father, thank You that um, You are true to Your Word. Lord, You're true uh, to all who put faith in Your Word. And Father, we just ask that You would uh, uh, give us power like Jeremiah had to preach the Word, to tell people about Your Word and Your good news in love, Lord. Uh, Help us to love people well, to encourage people and to give them hope when they don't have hope. We pray that the Word would give us hope when we don't have hope. And God, we pray that You would be victorious in our lives and in this place. In Jesus' name, Amen.